Hello, and welcome to the Network Collective Community Roundtable. Today's show, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. Um, we aren't coming with a topic today. I think we're just going to chat about some of the stuff we have going on. Uh, so it's just uh, Ross, Yvonne, and myself today, and uh, we're looking forward to doing this. So we'll be back in just a moment. Well, hey, guys. It's actually, I mean, a little bit inside politics here, but we don't actually get to talk to each other very often. We like, don't. We see each other when we record shows. <laughs> so uh, so I'm going to use this opportunity. What do you guys have going on? What have you been up to? Well, as a matter of fact, I was at Unhug last week and somebody asked me where Jordan and Yvonne were. Oh, we missed you guys too. <laughs> I've been to Onaga, I've been to Onaga a couple of times. This this one was the one in Texas, though, right? Yeah, this is the one in Dallas, which is smaller. Uh, yeah, it was smaller. It was interesting. Yeah, I mean, I did get to have a conversation with Doug Comer, which was really cool. We talked for about 10, 15 awesome. minutes. It was really kind of cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Rumor is that he's he's agreed in theory to come on the history show. That is correct. Yay. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so I'm I'm curious now that you brought that up. Uh, how was Onug? What was your experience there? What were your thoughts? So middle of the road. I'm not convinced yet that it's, I'm, I'm thinking about it still, whether I want to get deeply involved or not. Um, I know the spring show, or the, I guess the fall show or whatever it is, the one in New York is supposedly a lot larger. They're doing a lot of interesting work. I just don't know that they have the people on board to do the amount of work they're trying to do. I don't know. I've been to the New York one a couple of times. Um, through just to be you know transparent through tech field day like they, they brought us brought me out and i participated there a couple of times and i kind of got the the same impression like i like i guess maybe i had a different expectation of what open meant yeah <laughs> right? that's something so, I, that's something i heard from a couple of people that that it's not as open as you think it is it's and you know i talked to dave ward a little bit about it and i talked to some folks i know from huawei who were there lisa and some other folk and um or Linda, sorry, Linda and some other folk. And that was a general impression was like, it's not as open source, open standard oriented as you would have the impression from the name, perhaps. I don't know. Maybe that's just right. It's more, it's more like a user group meeting. Yeah, it is. Yeah. The, 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 POCs, the POCs are really useful, honestly. I found the POCs to be useful. Uh, proof of concepts were pretty interesting. Um, and the show floor, as small as it was, it's a really small show floor, but I really actually spent a lot of time talking to people on the show floor about what they're working yep. on and stuff. So it was useful. I mean, no, I won't say it was. It was very useful. I talked to Anuda and I talked to Glueware and I talked to a bunch of different people. And of course, I knew a bunch of people there. So part of it was just catching up with people. But That's cool. So how about you, Yvonne? Well, yeah, and I was going to say I went out to Onug a couple years ago and really – at the time, the whole point was let's get a bunch of practitioners together and try and shape where the market's going and give some feedback to vendors of what we really want. Um, and that was in early days of SD-WAN and things like that. So, I mean, I, I think it's it's a valuable thing to participate in, but it, it is quite different. Like if you're expecting a right, what would normally be like something like a vendor conference, it's a very different, different experience than that. Yeah. But yeah. Um, to answer your question, what's been going on with me? Um, that would be windshield time. I am, uh, I am firmly in uh, sales engineer land and getting out to see customers and covering a state that is very long. So, um, yeah, spending a lot of time in the car, but but enjoying getting to see and get to know new people. So, 
you know, you take the good with the bad, the bad with the good. And listening to podcasts. Listening to podcasts, audiobooks, <laughs> but uh, my social media presence has really suffered. So, you know, if you've sent me a message on LinkedIn or you've tried to track me down on the Slack, I'm not, it's not personal. <laughs> I'm not ignoring just you. It's everybody right now. It's everybody. I, <laughs> You're ignoring everybody. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I really do try to be a reasonably safe driver and, and slacking while driving is not recommended behavior. So sorry, folks. No, I can't imagine that would be a smart idea. So what, yeah. so what, so what yeah. Yvonne is saying is she needs an assistant to ride with her to read Slack messages and then reply to them. And keep up. <laughs> you need a personal assistant in the car so you can keep uh, up with all the, if we're going to play that media. game, Yvonne needs a driver. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way you think. That's funny. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, no. <laughs> Awesome. So um, we were chatting before the show, and one of the one of the things that we were like, well, what do we want to talk about? And one of the things that Yvonne brought up, and I'm sure this comes from her new role. Or it's not new anymore. I keep saying that. It's like it's Look, been going I'm for a riding while the now. new wave as long as I can, man. We're gonna say new. <laughs> <laughs> new, all right. We'll stick with oh, new. Yvonne, my role's newer than yours, so that's true. It is true. I'm like the old timer of the group. I'm stuck with my employer for almost five years now. It's archaic. <laughs> um, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, so you, you, you brought up something about, uh, from a topic, something we talk about says so don't solve the problem in the meeting. What do you mean by that? And I'm like, I'm, I'm silently sharing here, but I, I, I kind of get the idea where you're headed, but I'd love to hear the context under what, uh, where that thought came from and, uh, and what you're well, thinking there. Yeah, as technical people, uh, we 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 solve problems. That's what we do. We fix things. We make things work. Um, but sometimes we can get um, sort of our our internal thinking processes out of order. Um, and and it really does depend on the type of meeting. But but I had an experience a couple of weeks ago where I was in. It was really a requirements gathering meeting. Right. We were we were going to kind of try and gather requirements in order to create a scope and and to be sure that we solve the customer's needs, you know, get them what they need. And this can happen whether you're at a VAR or whether you're at a vendor or even internally if you're meeting with internal customers. Um, but we were talking through the problems and, and this requirement came up that was daunting. Right. It, it was one of those. It was it was a constraint that was going to be challenging to work around. And and the technical person leading the conversation really got stuck there. And, and you could you could almost see the smoke coming out of the ears and the 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 wheels turning inside of his head, trying to figure out, like, how are we going to deal with this problem? Right. Because it's going to be a problem. And, and I think what we do a lot of times is is while we're sitting in the meeting, instead of saying, OK, Let's write that one down and gather the rest of the information. We automatically jump to solving the problem. But then what that does is we end up myopic because we can't see everything else. We leave out details or we don't ask questions that we should have asked. So I think a lot of times, like it's important to have a methodology and to go into like a scoping meeting or a planning meeting or requirements gathering meeting with a plan that helps guide you because you're going to hear something crazy off the wall and you're going to go, well, we just can't do that. Like, we just can't get that done. Like, I don't know how that's even going to work. And you get stuck because 
as problem solvers, our brains automatically go there. And um, that's not, that's not always the first place to jump through. So anyway, um, that was, that was an experience that I had that just reminded me in the last couple of weeks, like, yeah, you can't always solve the problem in the meeting and you, you, you do a detriment. Like you've got all these people together you got all kinds of information resources there. And a lot of times you'll end up like wasting a lot of time and, and a lot of opportunity if you just, you know, if you get stuck in problem solving mode. Yeah. Well, and I think it's partially, like you said, because we just want to solve problems. And I think it's also partially just a mental, like I, I have this thought, I'm afraid I'm going to lose it right this second. So I've got to get it out there. And it's got to get out there before we end the meeting or otherwise I'll forget it or, you know, it'll go away or something like that. And I think that's, but this kind of goes to the heart of the issue, right? About meetings and about the way we work together um, is thinking about not getting stuck, not, not entering what I call the narrows, right? <laughs> right. Don't you think Yvonne, I mean, do we do this with troubleshooting as well? We do this with troubleshooting as well. Oh yeah. We get stuck. We get stuck. For sure. This is one of those things. I mean, like it, it, it hits for me, like all of my highlight hot button items for for the things I try to avoid as an engineer. Right. So my natural inclination versus what I should do, because <laughs> my natural inclination is I'm usually bored in meetings and someone presents a problem. All of a sudden, man, like that, just that there's a problem to solve. I have something to do. Right. Rather than talking about the logistics or some inane detail about something that just isn't really important or just doesn't excite me. It, it hits my like, that's what my brain is tuned to do is to solve problems. And so I immediately go into that mode. And in addition to that, I think that, you know, as an engineer, like leaving that out outstanding is just so dissonant with who, well, at least I'll speak for myself, who I am as a person. I don't like open non-understood issues. Like if someone presents a problem that needs solving and I can't solve it off the top of my head, it's going to sit there and bore a hole in the back of my head until I address it because, because it's a problem that's not solved. It's my job to solve that problem. And so in that, I, I know I personally have had to work hard on doing exactly what Ivana said, and that is to back away from being the problem solver in a meeting and, and, and become, you know, more of the structured organizer because in my role as like a as as an architect at a VAR, it's my job to help guide clients to the right answers, to help them make good decisions, to help you know architect a good solutions. And to do that, I need to learn everything about their organization, everything that they're doing, all the nuances and details. Because if I miss it, if I miss something critical, you know, a month down the road in the project, we're going to hit something. We're like, oh no, it's this way, and I had no clue because I didn't ask the question because I was focused on some little, like you said, myopic detail. And, and, and I've had to really learn how to do that. I mean, that's just my, my whole career. I mean, that, that person who solved that meeting, that was me very early or saw that problem in a meeting. That was me very early in my career. I would do that all the time. Right. I started realizing that like, oh, wait a minute. There's two of us in this meeting of 10 people who are sitting here talking about this and everyone else is sitting there twiddling their thumbs. And bored out of their mind. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How much time is being wasted by, by this conversation? Even though we're doing something productive for the project, this could be something that could happen after the meeting. Right. And like, let's move on. Let's set it as a sidebar and let's go. Yeah. And, and I think, I think part of the way you solve this is you learn to ask questions and take notes and rather than drilling into solving the problem, you just try to get the problems on the table first and you just ask questions, right? Oh, so you think that's an issue. Okay. Well, you know, how do you think that would impact this? How would you think that would impact that? And then you move on. Um, 
because you have a little bit of closure anyway, right, Jordan? <laughs> when you you just create an issues list, right? Like these are the things that are issues, or these are the things that we need to circle back around, or these are the things that you know, we're going to have to talk about. And you may have to come back and go, hey, I know this is a timeline that we discussed, and but but here's what we can accomplish in that timeline, or here's what it's really going to take to, to get X, Y, and Z. And then you can have a more informed conversation. But um, it also prevents you from getting into a position where you're just like, well, no, that can't be done because that's also a typical engineer response, right? Like somebody asks for the moon and you just go, well, yeah, it doesn't work that way, right? Instead of stepping back and going, okay, what is the objective that they're trying to accomplish? And maybe we can't do it the way that they suggested, but there may be another way to get there. And I think we're so quick to jump. Um, but one of the things Jordan said about meetings, and this is a a mental shift I've had to make um, now that I'm I'm more on the sales engineer role. Um, he he used the phrase inane details. And it's so funny to me because before when I was working on, on the customer side, email was like, I got to it when I got to it, right? As far as my daily workflow, like it just wasn't that critical now. Like email is super important. And a lot of those details I used to not have to care about, I do have to care about. But then there are other details that really mattered to me that don't matter so much anymore. And so a lot of times we focus on what our role is and the information we need. And we don't step back and go, okay, what information does everybody need to be sure this thing is successful? And uh, it's really been a mental shift for me it, taking on a new role to think about the information and, and how different I need to approach the information I'm, I'm addressed with. Yeah. And I think part of that too, is that one of the problems for me with hashing things out in meetings, for me, meetings are just, uh, you know, doing this, I'm going to solve the problem right here in the meeting. Meetings for me are more about gaining consensus and, and doing dr- brainstorming and laying, you know, understanding things. They're not about solving problems except on the brainstorming side. But even then, you're not trying to solve the problem. You're trying to throw out ideas is that it's unrecorded space. So if you solve the problem in the meeting, who wrote it down and who thought through the whole thing? Probably nobody. So you're going to end up resolving it in email anyway, or something else. So to me, if it needs to be recorded, move the conversation to email. Uh, it's because then you have the record. I also think there's so much about con- contextual awareness. I think that it's not just engineers who fight through this. It's everybody. So we talk about inane details and, and kind of like what Yvonne just said there. You know, inane details are different depending on who you are based on your job role. So things that are critically important to me and things that I think are important from a technical perspective when, you know, architecting a solution are incredibly different from the executive who's the one who's spearheading the political side of this project or whatever, you know, like you you pick your role in your position. And so I think the larger a meeting gets, the harder it is to share context about what is and isn't important. And so, you know, like a meeting is anything beyond one person hanging out together to like working on something. So, I mean, I can have a meeting, two people that are engineer to engineer that can be incredibly productive where all we do is solve technical problems. And that meeting's not in any details because it's all relevant to the stuff I need going on or you know, a particular team of engineers or architects or whatever. But if I'm in a meeting cross-discipline, that context matters. And all of a sudden, the details that matter to me don't matter to everybody else. And their details don't really matter to me either. 
So in presenting or, you know, participating in those meetings, you have to keep those things in mind. Share what needs to be shared that's important to other people. But, man, just don't dive into the stuff that's not important to, to everybody in the room. Right. So, I mean, this may lead to thinking about, like, how do you hold meetings that are effective or useful, right? Um, how do you not do this? How do you not solve the problem in the meeting? Um, things like scoping the number of people that come. Do they all really need to be there to solve that problem? Um, do they all need to be there for that? Well, and that starts with an agenda. Like, what are we trying to accomplish here? Like, how many meeting invites do you get where there's no agenda, there's no plan? And and there, and there and I'm not firmly in the camp that every single meeting has to have a detailed agenda. I think there is value in getting people together and having ad hoc conversations if that's what everybody knows the purpose is. But if you're going to call 30 people together, there better be a really tight agenda and you better have somebody running the thing because it's going to be absolutely useless. And really, 30 people for a interactive meeting is probably too many regardless. But, um, you know, the more people you have and the, the more you want to get accomplished, the more structured your meeting needs to be. Oh, I'm just thinking about all those meetings I've been to <laughs> where this wasn't true and it's just making my skin crawl a bit. Yeah. Um, I just think about how, how wrong, how, and I think this is the, this is the reason for a lot of people having disdain for meetings is because so many people get it wrong. So that meetings themselves are unproductive. They can be incredibly productive if you have the right people discussing the right topics for the right reasons, like getting together and working on something. So a team is in and aware or collaboratively working collaboratively working on something yeah like there, there can be value in that but there's just so many times that just that that context is lost it's just it just ends up being a big gigantic waste of time i've heard i've heard of people who won't accept a meeting request without an agenda i wish i, I wish i could be that disciplined or have that much influence over my calendar i just don't well i mean i would say this though right i mean i think it's more important to have a goal than it is to have an agenda and i think a lot of times we substitute the agenda for the goal we have an agenda, but we don't have a goal. You know, it's like that's a good I point. <laughs> so, step one: talk about the weather. Step two: talk about our our pets at home. At the end, you've accomplished nothing. But man, it was locked down tight. <laughs> I mean, I've actually been in meetings, and and if anybody's listening to this who was in this meeting, you'll recognize this experience, where a particular person who was running the meeting per se. Um, had a, an agenda set out to 12 to 15 minute time slots for eight hours of time, literally, Oh, literally. And it was with a customer and I walked in the room and they had put these things all around the table talking about, you know, these 12 minute increment, 15 minute increment things. And I basically walked around the table and picked them all up and threw them in the garbage and said, all right, let's start over. What is it we're trying to get done? <laughs> this is the same person who organizes that meeting that has 300 slides for a one hour presentation. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. That's right, like yeah. that's like a business school idea gone wrong, right? <laughs> that's like somebody went to a leadership class and they're like, here's how you run your meeting. Um, yeah. Sometimes those ideas get divorced from from reality. <laughs> yeah. So I think the agenda. Have you ever seen a group of people larger than two ever stick to anything that has an agenda in no. 10 or 15 no. minute intervals? Like, well, like, but no. I mean, the goal and the that's too narrow. Be helpful in the sense that 
trying to stop what Yvonne's talking about, right? Which is we're going to lay out requirements for these five minutes or these 15 minutes. We're going to lay out requirements over there. We're going to try to gather these requirements. And if you get to the point where you're saying they're trying to solve the problem from one slot of time, then you can say, okay, look, you know, we're over time. Let's move to the next agenda item. So you, the agenda can the agenda can be a hammer and it can be a useful hammer. Oh, yeah. But it can also be a, an unuseful hammer. <laughs> well, I think it's very useful for whoever wants to like, put the uh, the handcuffs on the meeting, but uh, it's not very useful for the people who might have 20 minutes of conversation on that one topic That's that right. actually is yeah. relevant for everybody and has to be done. Right. No, yeah. yeah. You, you can't pack them that tight. Maybe you can do, maybe you can do 10 or 15 minute intervals. If you include half hour breaks every couple of hours that are meant to specifically buffer that for the extra time. Well, no, no the yeah. breaks were included as well with a lunch break down to 15 minute intervals for eight hours. <laughs> Well, the well, lunch break was broken up into 15 minute <laughs> intervals. Here's the first 15 minute of lunch. You can eat the first half of your sandwich in this. <laughs> it was it was a spreadsheet with 15. Every every row in the spreadsheet was 15 minutes. So, you know, like lunch covered like four of them or something like that. So Aww. it was like completely, totally laid out. Gotcha. <laughs> it's, it was pretty amazing. <laughs> so So do you guys have any examples of like good meetings you've been in? Oh, silence. No, that's a hard I, question. <laughs> I mean, I've had some good ones. I, you know, I think um, I can think of a couple that were that were, you know, and a couple things in common. First of all, the the person leading them has done what they're doing before. In other words, and they do have a clear like objective. Like we know what we're going to accomplish. We know what we want to get out of this meeting, and ultimately. That is stated at the very beginning. Like we're here today to do X, Y, and Z. And as much as I get frustrated by frameworks, because I think people often will take a framework um, and use it as a crutch, um, the successful meetings that I have been part of and even successful projects, they have a functional framework that helps guide the conversation or the project or or, or whatever it is. Um, so, so. Uh, I'm negative about frameworks and I probably shouldn't be, but I have, I have been part of so many projects where that framework becomes a, a, a crutch for thinking and folks just check the box. Okay. We've done this step check with no contextual awareness, no understanding of why you were doing that. But on the other side of that coin is frameworks matter and they help. So yeah, I've been part of a few, but, um, not as many as I'd like. Yeah. I do think for me, like the 15 minute stand up meeting in the morning for a team is always a great thing. Like, Hey, let's just all talk about what we're working on. Let's talk about what we got to get done today. What are the problems we ran into yesterday? You know, just uh, time constrained so that it's not going to get out of hand. I think that's a great concept. It It can be abused and misused and mishandled, but, but I think, some of the greatest meetings I've been part of have been just those quick, hey, everybody gather around. We want to talk about this, this, and this. Okay, ready? Break. You know, that that kind of a quick conversation. Yeah, the hour-long weekly team meeting is often not, a, not as useful as like a shorter meeting or an hour-long monthly team meeting or whatever is not often as useful as like a 15-minute stand-up first thing in the morning. I mean, I have, I have, I have many stories of pathological meetings. 
Well, come on, Russ. Pathological. Slice and I were working on a, an escalation case one day and the manager, the VP of the company uh, insisted on having a meeting every 15 minutes for five minutes to do a status update. And after about two hours, <laughs> we got on the call and Slice just says, you want to know what I've been doing for the last two hours? I've been in meetings. <laughs> I didn't get anything done. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's the other side of it. Like I've, I've, you know, I struggle with this as well. I mean, oftentimes I feel like the people who don't have the ability to solve a problem, um, like they want to do something to help solve the problem. Oh so they're going to organize the meeting, right? Like they're good. They're going to put the meeting together. And so I, I just ran into this recently. I had to, and, uh, and you know, I'm very friendly with this account manager. He's a great guy, but he was having some stress with one of his customers couple of projects going on there was my project which is like on the rails the other projects a little bit off the rails and so it was what causing him a little bit of angst and so he's trying to get me in meetings <laughs> like multiple meetings i'm like wait a minute my project's on the on the rails and going and i can't solve any yeah. of those problems can i just yeah. can i just do so the I, things that i need to do to make sure that this project goes well like <laughs> yeah I, I mean you won't believe some of the ways we used to handle this when i was in tech we actually i actually got to the point one time where i had a manager on the phone fussing at me and i've had a few of those happen to me and um, anyway this manager was fussing and trying to help be very helpful and stuff and finally it was we were working on a cisco 7500 i mean that's how long ago this was i mean the old <laughs> not the not the nx this is this is when you when you rode into attack on the horse and buggy yeah That's, exactly okay the, just making sure i understand the time context here yeah <laughs> and um so i was like it was a small isp and the manager was freaking out and sitting on the phone and fussing and fettering and all this other stuff and i couldn't get anything done and finally i said hey do you know you, you have one of those dial-up service discs laying around someplace and he said, yeah, I said, I really need you to go download this image. So I went to the web and I found the largest image that I could for a Cisco 7500 and told him to build a dial-up link on a temp connection and download that image. Just, just give him something to do. Just it to took me about two hours. Do. And by the time it was done, the problem had been fixed. <laughs> So there's there's your there's your uh, your your tip of the day from Russ, misdirection for those who are, who are who are causing you pain from pain, from pointless meetings. Yeah, that was that was pretty amazing, but it worked. What would be the modern day equivalent? I know the problem is you can't tell them to go find an AOL disk. Pull these logs for me. That's the modern day equivalent. Upload this log bundle. Pull this log and triage them for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah go look at this firewall log and pull out all the relevant information yeah. there is something to be said though for having the the meeting designee in those situations the person who is responsible for not only getting status updates relaying status updates and and it is their job to keep the technical people doing the things that they need to do to solve the problem if you get a good one of those um you need to hang on to them because they are are worth their weight in gold in those situations yeah. when um when it's all burning down like they can they can really and and if they're if they're good at what they do they can provide assurance and confidence to the people who can't solve the problem usually leadership 
and free up the people who can so that they can get some stuff done. But but that is a I think an underappreciated and undervalued skill set sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But I, th- I think part of that, too, is learning how to figure out when people are stuck and unsticking them, getting them to move past it, write it down, move on to something else, particularly in a meeting format. You've got 10 people sitting in a room. Don't waste their time, like Jordan said, with two people sitting over in a corner talking. Um, move along. Somebody's got to push push it along, whether they have to use the agenda as a hammer or the goal as a hammer, whatever the case might be. Um and sometimes I think it's a matter of depth, right? You can have an overall goal, but if you think of the topical setting of the meeting as a as a as a um, tree, as a like a quick sort tree or an SPF. See, we can bring it back to routing now. An SPT, <laughs> with the goal being. <laughs> I'm I'm waiting, bated breath, Russ. About about how we're going to equate yes. routing protocol okay. theory to so, meeting structure. So if your goal bring it on. is the root of the tree, then you want to have a max tree depth. See how I did that? That that worked really well. So if you go down one branch too far, in hmm. Russ's mind, that worked really well. <laughs> I'm just I'm contemplating all of the rolling eyes right now. <laughs> All you of them. Have a, they listen to, you them have to have a meeting. Whatever. You have to have a meeting TTL. <laughs> <laughs> Match tree up. <laughs> okay. The rails are back there somewhere. Yeah, I'm not quite sure them. where. We 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 were kind of we left them a while ago. Uh, I didn't think we were going to talk about meetings for twenty some odd minutes here. Ooh. That's a that's well, a lot of times on about, time on meetings. I was going to say we, we should have had a meeting about, about meetings. this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe, maybe we should have had an agenda about this what, show. What, what, Jordan? What's going on in your world? I know Russ and I gave a few quick updates. What about you? We didn't get, we didn't hear much from you at the top of the show. I am software defining all the things. Um, so very good. Yeah. Um, well, that's debatable, <laughs> but <laughs> but it is. Uh, I'm spending a lot of time. I have a uh, quite a few customers who are uh, who are doing uh, SD WAN. So I'm in the middle of several SD WAN deployments at the moment. Have uh, another customer, you'll love this, who is uh, standing up a new data center, have a hard deadline for a move end of August, but they need systems up by the end of the month. It's, let's see, it's May 11th. They need it up by the end of the month and they've decided that they want to implement ACI. So (laughs) they're going to go all in on, they've never touched it before, all in ACI, new environment and migrate to it in like, I don't know, like 10 business days or something like that. And I'm like, ah, oh. yeah, that doesn't sound like a good plan. So we, uh, we, we, we've changed that plan a bit. Send, send the manager out. Yeah. Send them. You're definitely not solving that problem in the meeting. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, that, that was not in the meeting and, and they had a good handle on it. I mean, this was the, you know, executive team with ideas versus technical staff who, um, who knew their, you know, their capacity. And it was just a matter of they needed some additional weight to come in and basically validate what they were saying. I mean, that's always fun, right? As a consultant, I run into this all the time. A technical team will, will be sitting there talking about something and they'll have a really good handle of what they need to do for their environment. And they'll be recommending it and no one will listen to them. And I'll come in and say the exact same thing. And then all of a sudden, everybody listens. Uh, oh, yeah. I don't know if you guys have ever experienced oh, sure. that, but like being the outsider coming in. Absolutely. And uh, and so this was a bit of that. But yeah. Um, and then uh, I spent a lot of time with my with my company internally. We've been um, 
pursuing the master networking certification, enterprise networking certification with Cisco. And so that's a lot of uh, software-defined WAN and software-defined access. So I've got my hands on DNA Center and a bunch of other stuff that's that's going on there. So that's been interesting learning that. But that's that's been my world, like literally data center, WAN, and campus, <laughs> software-defined, all of the things. And it kind of came out of the blue because I was, wasn't touching it a lot. And then all of a sudden, everybody seems very interested in all of the SD things. So when software finishes eating the world, will there be any ice cream left so I can have dessert? I just... I just want to know. <laughs> Absolutely. The ice cream's going nowhere. <laughs> I'm just curious. <laughs> no, it's interesting. I th- you know, I think, you know, we talk about, you know, Cisco and their position in the, in the market and how much they've, you know, they kind of dominate the messaging. And, uh, and in that, like, just because it's the next generation. So, I mean, to be honest, a lot of people we're talking to aren't considering these things because all of a sudden software defined is better. It's just because it's the next generation of whatever is available to them in the tree of what they're doing. Um, and I think that we're finally seeing those life cycles hit. And so for data center, I mean, ACI has been out, I don't know how long, six, seven years, something like that. It's been around for a while. And, uh, and all of a sudden we have a bunch of customers who are very interested and like it came out of the blue and WAN is kind of seeing the same thing. Router refreshes are turning into SD WAN. I'm like, Oh, interesting. Like you can still buy routers, but no, they're, they're interested in the next generation of things. And so, um, there are places where that's great and there are places where it's a bit challenging, but, uh, it's uh, it's happening, right? <laughs> We're finally seeing everything that we've been talking about for the past five years. Well, I don't know, like what turnip truck I've been living on, but I guess it's I've been really surprised as I'm talking to more and more customers how much just the life cycle conversation drives technology conversations, drives purchases. Oh, completely. I mean, and 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 and, and I mean, to a degree, it makes sense. But how little, in many cases, the decisions organizations are making about their technology have anything to do with their business or their strategy and just have everything to do with their life cycle. Oh, well, this thing is old and it's into support, so we need to get a new thing that's supported. But we're not really going to think about whether that new thing does what we need it to exactly. And we're not really going to evaluate what the business needs we just, you know, we just need the next new thing on the truck. And that is honestly kind of a frustration for me that that folks aren't thinking more like every now and then you see that they are. But but that that we as an industry aren't step, stepping back and going, OK, what is this new thing and what does it do and how does this new thing get me new benefits or new uh, capabilities that I didn't have before? Or even where is my business going and what does that actually mean? Like, do I even need this new thing or can I do something different at all? Or it's just continuously. Yeah, there's a there, there's a big disconnect there, right? Like, I, I think, you know, and I think that, you know, context matters, just like when we talk about meetings, context matters. So in this conversation, context matters. Um, we've we've talked about this before, but this whole idea of bifurcation of the industry, there's a portion of the industry that's going after, you know, closed solutions, integrated solutions, tightly integrated. And there's another part of the industry that wants customization, white box, disaggregation and and just I deal with the the black box side of that equation more often than the customized disaggregation side of that equation. And in there, I mean, life cycles and especially when we talk about hardware. Yeah. They drive so much of, of what just comes next. Um, you kind of you kind of get into who you're comfortable from a, v- a vendor perspective, and then they kind of drive what's next. And there's, uh, you know, 
I, I imagine for a lot of companies, there's nothing nothing inherently wrong with that because to a lot of them, networking is just connecting things. But I think they're they're leaving a lot on the table about how the network can be a value to the business by not having that conversation. Yeah. And so and so, you know, I don't know that they're com- they're not necessarily doing their companies disservices. You know, inherently, it's not like they're sitting there like being lazy about it or whatever. But I think that I think the whole business is kind of missing the conversation if they're not talking about right. whether at least having the conversation about whether or not it matters. Right. Like, does my network really give me any type of competitive advantage? Could I possibly derive a competitive advantage from it? And if I can, I probably want some flexibility. Right. At least asking that question. But a lot of my question, a lot of my customers aren't aren't having those conversations. Well, and and I think, unfortunately, that a lot of people never have that conversation. And then the company either doesn't grow as well as it could or it actually fails ultimately or something like that. Um, I think we're seeing that happen in the retail market today to some degree. We're seeing a lot of retailers go down. And part of it's because they just didn't have that conversation. They were just like, let's put the new thing out there and don't worry about it. And then they didn't look at the market. Yeah, retail's a good example of that. Yeah. They didn't look at what's going on in the market and say, hey, wait, you know, Walmart and Amazon and whoever else, Alibaba and uh, all the names to use, are eating our lunch. Why are they eating our lunch? What's going on there? And they, they just don't even ask the questions. They just go, well, maybe if we just go faster, maybe if we just go less expensive, maybe if we just, they don't really think about it. And I think that's really a danger. Right. So, uh, and I also, I'm, I'm interested to hear you say that, Yvonne, about your world, because, you know, uh, working for VMware, like, I think that you're more in the software space. And I would think in the software space, it would be less that way. Because, I mean, it's not, it's not like, it's not like it's ESX and then the next thing that's still the hypervisor, right? Like now there are other products that get added to it and things, that, but there's not like, there's not the same like network hardware generational things that happen in software that happen in yeah, hardware. And, well, this is true from a purely software perspective, but um, you know, a wise man once said, you never, there is no such thing as software without hardware. And a lot of times we have a hard time getting into those and and really starting conversations about what do you want to do next until it's time for a life cycle conversation, right? So instead of, okay, let's sit down and have a strategic conversation about where your business is going, what you want to accomplish in the next three to five years. Do you have a cloud strategy? What is your cloud strategy? What are you doing in the cloud? Um, and, And let's talk through, you know, how you can position what you have today to help be sure you're ready for what's coming tomorrow. Um, those conversations are really hard to have. Um, and a lot of it is because we're so used to thinking about, well, we'll deal with that when our hardware is ready to life cycle. Uh, this is this is the same thing as getting stuck in solving the problem in the meeting, isn't it? We're firefighting what we have today and we're not thinking about the longer term goal. And I think that's that's exactly a lot of times. And that's just a mental. Well, it, it's a focus thing, but it's also a staffing thing. I mean, if you talk to mo- if you talk to most of my customers, and ultimately comes down to being a money thing. So if you talk to most of my customers, like they they know they're doing that, like they know they're doing that, and they don't want to be doing it. They'd much rather be thinking strategically. And, and I'm going to bring this full circle here in just a second. They'd much rather be thinking strategically, but they don't have the people to be thinking strategically because they've only got the people that can handle the firefighting. So in comes vendor X and says, "Hey." By my integrated solution, we'll abstract most of the things you're firefighting today, and your people can be more strategic. 
<laughs> but you can be strategic so long as it fits within the box of whatever the black box is. Uh, that's exactly right. Yeah. That's right. True. And so it's kind of this self-fulfilling thing. And, you know, I think really what it comes down to is, is most companies have not realized the value of IT. Now, whether or not they have an accurate assessment of that or not, the companies don't think IT is worth putting money into, at least to the point where you have people who can be thinking strategically. So before we go, right? yeah, and, before we go too far down that, we should actually make a show out of that, Jordan. We yeah, should talk about it. I think we're going to. Well, well, the next time we do one of these little chats like this, which hopefully is very soon, um, we will. Uh, I think that we will talk about you know recognizing the value of IT. But just to you know, to kind of fill in the the, the general broad brushstroke thought here is so long as companies are seeing you know IT as a service that you want to pay as little for as possible, rather than an investment which can drive better outcomes for my business. Right? Those are the two polar opposites. Mm -hmm. So long as it's just something that I'm trying to find the lowest common or lowest cost I can possibly provide the the minimum amount of value to my company. If that's the goal, yep. you're going to be the black box, non-strategic, like all that stuff's going to be super appealing. And I don't know, like, I don't know that there's going to be a lot of companies who pull out of that. Yeah. But you look at the companies who are wildly successful. You look at all the companies, you, you mentioned some of them, you know, you look at Amazon, you look at Walmart, they're investing heavily in IT. The stuff they're doing yeah. is... LX, UPS, you know, I mean, look at the LX, UPS story and the Toys R Us versus Amazon story. I mean, that's all about dri driving value out of your IT side. Right. That's all those stories are. Yeah. Amazon was an online bookstore who, who recognized that, wait a minute, yeah. if we if we built this like dynamic infrastructure that can scale at our needs, we could conquer the world. And they literally are. <laughs> like, you know, like yeah. they own everything yeah. now, right? And, and like yeah. no one can compete with them. And like, and then it was all because of a technology investment. Yeah. It wasn't because they sold a better product and it wasn't about their price. Right. It's it just, like, just like, right. I mean, you look at Toys R Us as the, as the polar opposite, right? They said, we're not even going to build a website. We're not even going to have an online store, right? Right. Because we, we we can't do that well. We're going to specialize. We don't, we're not an IT company. Amazon's an IT company, blah, 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 blah. And Toys R Us is gone, man. They're gone. Like, what? Which is unbelievable. I know. They're just gone. Yeah. And I'm not going to jump up and say that that, you know, highly engineered solution is always a non-strategic play. Because I don't think that's the case. I think sometimes you can look at your business and go, this engineered solution is good enough. It does what I need. Yep. And, and it's going to let me focus on other things. I think that the problem is that we're that that so many organizations are abdicating that decision that's right and they're not looking at what makes right. sense for them they're just saying oh it's time for me to buy the next new thing what's the next new thing um and and that works in some for some periods of time and then and, and it works until it doesn't work Right. Because now all of a sudden you've got shadow IT going on everywhere and you've got a new CIO that comes in and goes, why should I buy all that stuff and just move and, and instead move my workloads to the cloud? Like, why can't I just do that? And they don't understand the implications of that. IT staff aren't educate, educated on the implications of that. And all of a sudden, like, you know, you're pigeonholed into a particular solution without having a strategic understanding of why. Yeah, that's um, exactly right. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I think that's a good place to stop. I think that we we should uh, pick, we should pick the conversation up there again the next time. I think we should. I think we should invite on a friend or two to to join us with it as well because I think that would be a good one. We, we just we don't have any, we don't have any friends. <laughs> you don't have any friends, Ross? This is it. Like uh, this, 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 this is the group. Wow, they got sad really quickly. <laughs> Russ has no friends. I guess I don't have any friends. Yvonne doesn't that's have it. any. It's just the three of us. We just come in here and talk to each other, and that's how we feel better about ourselves. <laughs> well, on that incredibly positive note, Russ, where where can all the people who don't care about you at all find you? <laughs> well, they can always find me at the Network Collective. They can find me at Rule11.tech. They can find me on LinkedIn. I do occasionally log into Twitter, but it's not very often. Somebody DM me the other day and I haven't answered yet. So I guess I need to go do that. Oh, that's why you didn't <laughs> respond. Okay, got it. I'm kidding. It wasn't me. I know better. <laughs> All right, Yvonne, how about you? Where can people find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Sharp Network and on LinkedIn. Um, I really do want to get back to blogging, but um, that's esharp.net. But don't hold your breath. Um, I will get something up eventually. Um, and of course, at the Network Collective. Um, and uh, I will try to be a better internet citizen um, and respond more promptly. <laughs> well, what does it matter if there's no one else out there who cares, right? I mean, like, we, we've gone full on uh, right. mode here on Network Collective. Thanks, Russ. <laughs> All right. Um, so obviously a little bit different for format today. If you liked it, I'd love to hear it. Um, I think we're going to do this a bit more often. Um, it doesn't mean we're getting rid of the shows that have topics, but I think that we'd like to do this a bit more often and just kind of get together and chat about the things that are going on with us a bit more personal, a bit less formal and a bit, uh, a bit more off the cuff, which I guess we have a show called that, but this is not that. So don't confuse them. Uh, so if you're looking for me, I'm at BC Jordan on Twitter, uh, jordanmartin.net. I have, my blog has the same problem that Yvonne's does. I started network collective and all of my effort outside of work went here and so it's pretty sparse and don't hold your breath i'm not anticipating russ somehow finds uh all the time in the world to to create content he creates it here he creates it for his blog although i have noticed that like half of his stuff is re referencing other people's stuff so well in fairness not... it's he does a lot of linking to other people's stuff but you do a lot of content that's even your own where you're writing yeah typically what i do with rule 11 is i only post like once a week but then i cross post anything where i'm on anybody else's platform Gotcha. So like if, you know, if you want to find out what I've written, no matter where it is, then you can find that. Yeah. And, and you're doing, you know, live lessons and trainings oh and going my. to conferences and it, it, it's, it's unbelievable. Never sleeps, but I'm not, I'm not that <laughs> ambitious, I guess. So I've got my job, I've got network collective and everything else suffers. <laughs> um, if you want to find more network collective stuff, uh, the network collective.com. Or if you're really fancy, you can go to networkcollective.com now. We went out and that domain finally became available. It's not our official domain yet, but it works. You can go to networkcollective.com and it goes to our website. So um, so that's out there. We're at NetCollectivePC on Twitter. We're on LinkedIn. We're on Facebook. We'd love to chat with you and uh, just continue this conversation. Again, we'd love to hear some feedback on what you think about. Go, come be. Oh, Russ has something to say? Yeah, I do. Come, come join us as a member so that you can join us on Slack. Yeah, so yeah, the membership. I mean, we 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 mentioned it in every show or most shows at least, and um, it's really fantastic. Um, very very active Slack. Uh, we're you know we're coming up on a year. Can you believe it? 
We launched in June last year. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah, coming up on a year of of membership, but it's been uh it's been really good. Uh, it's it's really developed into something very valuable. So, um, check it out. Uh, you can go to uh, thenetworkcollective.com/slash/join. I'll tell you all about the stuff that we do there. Um, but really, what it comes down to it is the the people are more important than all of the features and whatever. And it's an awesome group of engineers. So if you're looking to to join up with a group of people who who really have a good handle and are of the networking industry, pretty broad across it. And I'm not just talking about like our guests, like the people who we have a lot of really fantastic people who've joined, who just have great insight into the industry and some of the things that are going on. I learned something new from there like every day. So it's pretty, uh, pretty phenomenal resource for a networker. So check that out. And I think that's it for today. So thanks for listening and we will see you next time.